Okay, we're gonna talk mad spoilers for chapter six of the Book of Boba Fett, if that's what you want to call it, right here on Han Talks First. I'm Han, it's a Star Wars podcast, and this is the podcast you're looking for. We come around here every week, we talk about Star Wars, now we're talking about Boba Fett, because that's the show that's out, but we all know that Obi-Wan is really what we're most looking forward to. First of all, if you're just clicking on this video because you like Boba Fett, and if you're looking for a new show to talk Star Wars or interact with someone, Hit me up. I respond to all the comments and everyone on social media. So let's jump into this show. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So chapter six, I'll just start off by saying I love this episode. It's probably my favorite episode of this series so far. And Dave Filoni knocked it out of the park. From the desert comes a stranger. A very mysterious title, which should have told me what was going to come from this episode. But for some reason, I still had no idea that Cad Bane was going to show up. And oh my god, did that blow me away. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, we were, we were talking about how Robert Rodriguez had said this show is going to blow the fans away. And I was like, well, that, those are big words coming from someone who's working on the project because it's going to automatically set expectations for the fans. And I, of course, set my expectations really low, but I had still been saying that the show has done nothing to blow me away so far. So I was a little disappointed by those words. And this is the episode that did it. I wasn't ready. I didn't expect it. But once I saw that silhouette in the distance, I knew and I gasped aloud and was totally immersed by it and blown away. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but I want to kind of go in order of the events that happened in this episode. So let's just start off by talking about the director, Dave Filoni. He did a fantastic job. This is his, what, fourth episode of television he's directed live action for Star Wars, and he, the guy is just getting better and better and better. It's insane to see the level of growth that has happened with his directorial debuts. So he started off with that pilot episode of Mandalorian, which was probably one of the weakest episodes of television I've seen in Star Wars. Let's be honest. It was done, you could tell, by the hands of someone who had not experienced live action work before. But that's okay, because he admits that himself, and he got way better, continually better in the next episode he directed. And then after that, doing season two, got even better, and then finally gets to Book of Boba Fett, and the dude is just shining with brilliance. You could tell he takes every bit of information he learns from previous experiences and applies them to new episodes of television and is just continuing to knock it out of the park. This, I would have to say, is probably his best episode. Actually, I take that back, because the, his episode with Ahsoka was really amazing. So this is just on par. But overall, you can tell the guy, he, he's getting really, really good. And eventually, maybe he'll want to do a movie. And I would love to see what he can do. Another funny take from a Dave Filoni-directed episode of television, something we can probably consider going forward, is every time he directs something, a new cameo ensues. His first episode was Grogu. The next one, he had Ahsoka. He also introduced Fennec Shan. Now he's introducing Cad Bane. All these characters. So I think it's safe to say... If Dave Filoni is directing an episode of television, we can expect a new or familiar face to pop up and make an appearance. There are other noteworthy credits to talk about, such as Luke Skywalker, of course, but then there's also the voice actor for Cad Bane, Corey Burton. And yes, it was the original voice actor for Cad Bane, most recently doing the voice work in The Bad Batch. Absolutely amazing to hear that voice come from the live action version because to be honest with you i you know 
I've always assumed maybe they would come around to doing Cad Bane at some point. But I had just assumed, naturally, that they would have whatever actor was in hair and makeup or in a mocap suit do the voice. So it was a very clean surprise to find out that it was the original voice actor. It was familiar and it felt great. Fun fact, not only did he voice Cad Bane in the animated stuff, but he is also the animated voice for Count Dooku, which is pretty cool. And he also voiced Zero the Hut. We're having a similar issue with voice actor recognition in something that just got dropped uh, in a trailer recently, which is Halo. I did a reaction to it if you guys want to check it out. But in that series, we have the classic character Master Chief, who is normally voiced by uh, Steve Downs in the video game. And now he's being voiced by Pablo, blah, 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 whatever his name is. So it's a new voice for that character. And it's a little unfamiliar, a little jarring, something people will have to get used to, hardcore fans anyway. So it's cool to see that, hey, it's still, it can still be done on a bigger budget level in live action with having a actor and voice actor working together for one character. Speaking of other notable credits in the show, did you guys notice that Boba Fett made a cameo? <laughs> Boba Fett made a cameo in his own show. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Okay, but let's kind of go in order here. So, Cobb Band. This episode starts off with him, of course. The Marshal of Moss... Oh, what is it called? Pelgo. Mar Marshal of Moss Pelgo. Marshal of Moss Pelgo. Okay, there we go. So anyway, he's, he's finding these guys, these dudes, these uh, pikes that are running spice through it. And he, of course, has an issue with it. So he tells them to stop. They get all pissy. They fight it out, whatever. And then we get to see the spice. I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've actually seen the spice in Star Wars. No, maybe we saw it once before. But anyway, it was interesting to see because, you know, Dune just came out. And of course, George Lucas took the whole spice motif from Dune for Star Wars, and it also looks exactly the same from the Dune movie, which is it's just funny. But anyway, his character was reintroduced because it had to play an important role going forward. One, Mandalorian is looking for people to help be muscle to Boba Fett in his war against the Pikes. And two, of course, it had to have a significant role in bringing in Cad Bane, someone to extinguish, someone to challenge, to show that, hey, this is a bad guy, this is a villain, this is someone who's going to take a lot to go up against. But before we run into all that let's you know go in order here as, as best as we can so Cobb Banth is back in it you know Mr. Elephant he's great of course I love him from the Scream movies it was an interesting comment that he made about Boba Fett kind of with the armor not specifically talking about him but about the armor itself and saying how he kind of wished he still had it so it's kind of interesting that Mandalorian would approach him to want to come and fight for Boba the person that took his armor back I would have thought it would have been a little interesting for them to kind of fight back and forth over the armor again maybe kind of like I'll do this for you but, you know, let me get some of that armor back or something like that. The big question is, is Cobb Van dead? And, you know, a lot of people think he is. A lot of people think he isn't. I, for one, think he is not. One, because some people say you can still see him breathing in the background. And the other is because I think Cad Bane wanted to send a message. The message being that, hey, I can kill you if I wanted to because your deputy here, who I shot like 17 times, is dead. You I shot once because I know you're in charge and I just want to send a message. Because I tried to talk it out with you, but you instead wanted to do a little <laughs> uh, old-style western gunslinging dance with me. And I'm going to win if you want to do that. But it was nice parallels how it started off with a showdown and it ended with a showdown. Now before we move on to any parts of the show or any, uh, you know, commentary on some of the characters in it, I want to talk about my personal subjective opinion of this episode and then kind of give you my objective, more critical opinion of this episode. Subjectively, I love it. 
I am a Star Wars fan. I thought this show, I thought this episode was fantastic. You know, every moment of it, I was, I was invested in, I was really looking forward to what was going to happen next. And I haven't felt that way for a lot of this series of the Boba Fett show, you know, seeing familiar characters again, seeing character growth from previous shows, getting to see some poetic payoffs for some characters, such as Luke Skywalker, which we'll talk about a little bit later. It was directed very well. It was a good standalone episode and also fit very well cohesively with a full narrative for what's going on in the TV Star Wars universe. The visual effects, the digital effects were fantastic. Definite huge improvement on what we've seen in similar types of special effects, such as deepfake technology from the season two of The Mandalorian. And also from a practical effect standpoint, the practical effects of some of the creature designs and the masks and using elements like that were huge improvements on what we've seen before, such as Cad Bane. I didn't think an animated character could look that good represented on screen in live action. It looked phenomenal. And I'll go into more detail about that later. So subjectively, it's an A+. It's two thumbs up. It was amazing. And a lot of other people feel that way too. Now, from an objective point of view, this chapter, chapter six, and its predecessor, chapter five, really don't make any sense in this show. If you think about what went on in this episode alone, it was so much set up. It really established where the show was going, not just for the Boba Fett series, but also for The Mandalorian, where the entire TV narrative is going forward, where we think we're going to go. You know, with old characters such as Ahsoka and Luke and Grogu and all this kind of stuff. But one reason why it just doesn't really fit in this show is it, one, is a completely different tone. Two, it has nothing to do with Boba Fett. You know, I joked earlier and said Boba Fett made a cameo in his own show. I don't even think he said anything in the scene he was in. And to add on to that, he actually didn't even address Mando when he just showed up in his palace. I mean, that would have been the perfect moment for him to do his signature Boba Fett nod. He walks in, and then he looks at him, and he just gives him the nod. It would have been absolutely beautiful if they did that. But seriously, it's not just about this being a Book of Boba Fett show by name. It doesn't have to have every episode follow that of Boba Fett. But what this episode does, and what Chapter 5 did as well, is it sets up story. It sets up purpose. It sets up a goal. And the goal being there is going to be a war. And they are building a faction of mercenaries to gang together to go up against the Pikes. And we finally got to see a little bit more threatening aspects from the Pikes in the show. Which we should have seen earlier, to be honest with you. Because the Pikes really weren't introduced until around Episode 3. And now that we're finally get, starting to get to see the threat of the Pikes, it still begs the question, what is the Pikes' goal? Yes, they want to run Spice through Tatooine, but they've been doing that for years, according to the people who live on Tatooine. So what is the issue? It can't be that Jabba, under Jabba's rule, things were different because Jabba, them too, the Huts are scared of the Pikes, so much so that they actually left planet just so they could get away from them and avoid having this war. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we haven't seen much from the Pike's point of view. So that's not really our fault from an audience point of view, but it is from a storyteller's. And jumping around from all these different characters, we're losing Boba Fett. I mean, we still, we really don't know what Boba Fett's goal is. I mean, yes, he wants to run Jabba's palace on Tatooine, but why? Why does he want to do that? You know, he says he wants to rule out of respect, not fear. Yet every time he has a meeting with somebody, he ends up trying to intimidate them. One example being with the other factions of leaders around town, he has the dinner meeting and then he it threatens them with the rancor. Coincidentally, some might argue, but still it is considered to be an act of intimidation. Now, I do think these are 
inconsistencies with the narrative of the show tonally and structurally. But I bring this up because I think there can be a way to fix it, and that would be to rebrand this series. Now, depending on how you look at this show, this series, The Book of Boba Fett, one could argue it is not really about Boba Fett. While he is the primary character of it, I would argue these are more tales of Tatooine through the perspective of mostly Boba Fett. But if you think about it, we get to see point of view of the Tusken Raiders. We get to see the point of view of the Pikes. We get to see a little bit more insight from the Huts and their overall rule from historic past. We get to see some of the casino world. We get to see these new mod kids who, you know, have this shop on Moss Eisley or outside of the town where they can repair people. They can save people apparently from death. So that was one of the things I was thinking about when I was watching this episode in particular was a great name for this series would be Tales of Tatooine. Star Wars, Tales of Tatooine. How good does that sound? And it makes sense because we also get more tales from Cobb Vanth. We're now bringing in Cad Bane. All things that circulate around the planet of Tatooine. And it would also fix the issue of we never go off world. How great was it in episode 5 and episode 6 when we got off the frickin' sand planet where everything is so opaque and so dull and dry. And we get to see lush green gardens. We get to see space. Remember, remember when we went to that halo ring in episode 5? All this kind of stuff. It, it world builds. It makes it feel like Star Wars, something George Lucas was really good at. Obviously, Lucasfilm, Disney, they're not going to rebrand the series. I think it's an option because they've done it before in Star Wars and plenty of other projects in Hollywood have rebranded after time has passed or re-released movies. I think it's something to consider because I think it would work better for whatever this show is trying to do. Getting back into what actually happened in this chapter and talking still about the actual narrative of this episode, let's talk about Ahsoka Tano. So she obviously pops up. She has an interaction with Mandalorian, but she also has an interaction with Luke Skywalker. And this is the first time ever that Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker have appeared together on screen. And it was amazing. One of the best parts was Ahsoka's comment about how he's so much like his father, which was really cute. And it was something fans have been curious about for a long time and have been wanting to see Ahsoka meeting Luke. On top of that, one of the things I thought was going to happen was Mando was going to mention how he's off to go see Boba Fett, and Luke Skywalker would have been like, who? What? But <laughs> it didn't happen. Now, some interesting comments I've been seeing online from people about Ahsoka's appearance in the show was, was it necessary? I've seen a lot of people suggest that her being there served no narrative function at all, and I actually disagree with that. Now, to base this off arguments I have already heard, I have heard people say that her being there was just fan service and or member berries, which for some reason a lot of people are using that term for this week's episode. Now, I can see why you would say that with some of the other things that happened during the action parts of this episode, but the reason why I think Ahsoka being there did serve narrative purpose is because, one, it's a familiar face. You know, Mando can't have that conversation with, say, Luke Skywalker, for example, because he had to be with Grogu, and him being separated from Grogu would obviously make Grogu feel a little something, either within the Force or just in general. But also, if it was somebody else besides Ahsoka, say a random helper, or some volunteer, or some other Padawan learner, or what have you, it would have felt really out of place, because some of the lines of dialogue she spoke to Mandalorian about having to give up his attachment to Grogu, that's important stuff. And that would have to be coming from someone who is important to Mando in some way. And who better than to the lady who told him 
his son's name, Grogu. And who else has that type of impact on the Mandalorian's life to be able to convince him to let go and not go see Grogu again? I think it's Ahsoka. And if it's not Ahsoka, then it has to still be someone else familiar to the Mandalorian that we've already seen on screen. And having it also be Ahsoka is another Jedi, another person who's fluent in the Force, has this attachment to the world that the Mandalorian could never have. So therefore, coming from her, it has a more spiritual approach and a bigger impact on his way of thinking. And ultimately, it convinces him to, hey, move on, just give him the gift, and just hope he sees him again. Now, I'm still open to hear your suggestions, too, so if there are other alternatives to why Ahsoka being in this episode has no narrative purpose, I'm all ears. Please let me know. Okay. The Master Jedi himself, Luke Skywalker. Let's talk about it. So, Luke was in this episode again. It was kind of expected. If we were going to see Grogu, we were going to see Luke. Duh. Well, some of the stuff that happened was great, but let's start off by talking about that deep fake technology. At the end of Mandalorian Season 2, we saw Luke for the first time since Return of the Jedi, and it was it was a great, great episode. It was a great feeling, some of the best Star Wars I've seen. But let's face it, the digital technology was brand new. They were using new face ID technology to try and build old Luke Skywalker's face. And while it was very impactful and still pretty good, it was still a little wonky and one of the biggest criticisms of that episode. Well, oh my God, they improved it like crazy. He looked so good in this episode. The advancements they've made to the deepfake technology from two years ago is outstanding. And it's something that we shouldn't expect anything less from Lucasfilm, the company that pretty much founded modern-day visual effect making. And of course, this has a direct tie-in with the thing we talked about last year, which was Lucasfilm hiring Shamook, the YouTuber who does deepfakes on a bunch of different projects. And it's obvious he was brought in to work on this specific framing because he pretty much got the job when he redid the Luke Skywalker deep break at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. So it was really cool to see his work here. Now, obviously, it could be somebody else, but let's be honest, I'm pretty sure it's this guy. <laughs> I'm so glad they brought him in because they're, they're, they're doing what they always do. They hire the best of the best to work at Lucasfilm, and it shows, and it has improved so much. Now, you can tell some of it is still a work in progress because a lot of the shots that did use the deep fake aspect were done with static shots, which pretty much means the camera is very still, the actor is very still, and it is also very far away. And if you also noticed, a lot of the lines of dialogue spoken by Luke Skywalker were him being off screen saying those lines, because the lips are still not right, and that was a big criticism for Mandalorian 2 as well. Regardless of all the nitpicks, it was fantastic. It was so good to see it again. Luke Skywalker is Star Wars. <laughs> He is. I mean, it makes everyone feel so good. And his lucky companion, R2-D2, seeing him again too. R2 seems so at peace on this planet, wherever they're at. He seems so happy. And one of the best parts of this, which was totally an R2 move, was bringing Mandalorian up to that area where the the temple was being built and the bench was being made from him. And then once the bench was being made, he Mando looked at it. He was like, how long am I going to be here? He's like, take a seat, buddy. And then he shuts down because he himself knows it's going to be a long time until 
someone comes to talk to him, which was Ahsoka. Now, since we're at that part in the show, I want to mention, if you guys remember when the episode with the Moss Espa biker gang came out and everyone had criticisms, criticisms of that, I did myself too. Well, one of the things people told me when I said I really didn't like those biker gang people and I felt like it wasn't Star Wars at all, a lot of people were like, well, it's a direct... Uh, homage to George Lucas, who likes old-timey cars, and have you ever seen American Graffiti? Look, you can think that all you want. I don't think it was Star Wars. It may have been a direct compliment to George Lucas, but I don't... I didn't think that. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because in this episode, I felt something that was 100% felt like George Lucas, and that was in this scene what we're talking about. And it was particularly the ant construction droids. The ones that are building that temple for for Luke. This felt extremely Star Wars to me because it felt like it was taking real world elements and making them science fiction. And by that, I simply mean ant farms. It's a simple concept, but it's something that still seems familiar, but also out of this world. They look like ants going up a hill, building themselves a little home, and that's what it was. And that's very similar to let's say, the conception of Boba Fett's ship, which was designed based off a street lamp here in Los Angeles. And it's little things like that that have slight connections to our reality to still make them seem familiar and have us attached to them, but not so far away that it feels, you know, uninteresting. So I thought that was a really great George Lucas-esque idea to put in this episode, and who better than Dave Filoni to execute that? And I think it may have even been his idea. So getting back to Luke, the training sequences. There is something really poetic about Luke Skywalker being the one to teach the lessons Yoda taught him to another one of Yoda's species who is younger and in need of that type of training. I loved it. Whether it was fan service or nostalgic or member berries, who gives a crap? It was beautiful to see. And like I said, poetic. Uh, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Forgive me, that's my best George Lucas impersonation. But it's it, that's what Lucas sets out to do, is have the, the learner become the master, become the apprentice, become the master over and over and over, even tying into The Last Jedi, which I do not like. But they are what we grow beyond. That is the quote. And that's what happens here. Not only is he training Grogu, but he is suppressing old training and old memories that existed that... Baby Yoda himself suppressed because he was traumatized as a child. And that scene, too, was fantastic when he was collecting those old memories back from his time at the temple, which was a revelation, by the way, which I loved. And we got to see old clones. I thought they were going to give us a little bit more by showing him who rescued him from the temple, but I have a theory that it might be tying into Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Obi-Wan saved him. And I don't have anything else to back that up with, so... <laughs> Make up your own theory. But one reason why I love the flashback was it was exactly like the flashback Anakin has in Revenge of the Sith, stylistically. Oh, and we also got to see what was in the little packaging, the little present that Mando brought Grogu, and of, it, of course was a chainmail. I heard no one guessing that. Nobody. A lot of people said they guessed it. I heard no one say that. <laughs> I thought it was a little ball. It wasn't a little ball. They got me, though. They tricked me. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be because of the shape of the of the packaging, but it wasn't. It was a little chainmail with a little diaper on it so he could, like, you know, wrap it around his body. It was cute. I can't really see him wearing that, but I think that was the idea. Give him something that doesn't take away from his his overall aesthetic that we're used to. So, hey, it was cool. It was cute. It was sweet. It was very 
it was very fatherly. So it wasn't a ball. And finally, Cad Bane. Let's wrap this up by talking about him. The entrance of Cad Bane was brilliant. The first time it had that wide shot with him walking in the distance, I, I didn't guess it was Cad Bane. But when it cut to it the second time and he was still far away before you could tell who it was, I could finally see the hat and I knew. And I gasped and I probably freaked out my girlfriend, but it was, it was brilliant. It was done so well. And a little fun fact, I could be wrong about this, but I think that was a direct homage to Lawrence of Arabia by the entrance of Sheriff Ali, who, another fun fact, fun fact Inception, had Alec Guinness in that movie. But it was the same exact pace and framing and character revelation as in Lawrence of Arabia. And if you're watching the video platform, I'll put up a photo so you can see it. But the entrance was fantastic. Like we said a couple weeks ago, Star Wars has the best character reveals ever. They know how to do that. They got that down. Disney Lucasfilm totally has that down. But there was something different about this one because it was like his hat was down. You couldn't see his face. And then at one point that he lifts his hat a little bit so you could just see his mouth and you could just see the teeth and you could see the grit. And you're like, wow, okay, this is not CGI. This is a practical effect. And then everyone's wondering, those of us who know the character at least, what are his eyes going to look like? How good is this mask actually going to look? Is this, gonna, is this going to look like Cad Bane? And the creators knew this was going to look exactly like Cad Bane. But they hint at it by saying it's going to sound like him too because the original voice actor comes in with that amazing voice. I am Cad Bane and I'm going to kill anyone who decides to shit on my parade. This is the best I could do. I, I don't know how to do his voice very well, but whatever. But the voice was there. And then he tilts his hat up even more and then we see the eyes. Oh my God. This guy looks so good. He looks menacing. He looks just like from the animated show. Unlike Ahsoka, having to lower the mantras for practical reasonings, this was exactly like from the animated show. Looks exactly like him, and it looks so good. The best alien prosthesis that I've seen on a character in Star Wars so far. And I love... It might be augmented with a little bit of CGI here and there, maybe for like glare effects and lighting purposes, but it looked fantastic. And the practical robotic movements of the face and the the eyebrows and all that kind of stuff, it works. It just works. This character works perfectly on film. What is his role going to be going forward? He's obviously working for the Pikes. He wants the spice to flow. <laughs> they actually said that. <laughs> I think Mandalorian said it. He said, the spice will run. And it was funny because when he said that line, my girlfriend just looks at me like, he said the other thing. The thing from the other movie. <laughs> it's a Dune reference for those of you that don't know. Anyway, he looks fantastic. What's going to happen next? Obviously, this these past two episodes are all set up. To be honest with you, it's set up that really feels like it's set up for a full series, but it's actually just coming to a close, which makes no sense to me. It doesn't feel like a penultimate second to last episode with a huge cliffhanger. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like there's 12 more episodes on the way, but there's not. The show is ending next week, and it's really sad to see that. Obviously, we're heading to an all-out war. Boba Fett has built his team. The Pikes have built their team. It's Pikes and Cad Bane, apparently. <laughs> but what I'm most looking forward to is the showdown between Cad Bane and Fennec Shand. Of course, I have a rich history most recently in The Bad Batch, which I did watch that episode. I didn't finish the series, but I watched the episode with Cad and with Fennec, and it was great. And then I guess another looming question is, will R2, will, um, not R2, will Grogu pick the lightsaber, or will he pick the chainmail. Here's my theory, and then we're going to call it a day. I think Grogu is going to pick the lightsaber. 
a lot of people think he's going to pick the chainmail so he can go back and see Mando again. And that would make sense. A lot of people are saying because the the extra cockpit in his new N1 Starfighter. But look, I think there has to be some kind of setup for them to be reunited again. And I don't think that's going to happen next week because that seems like a big moment and something that will take away from Boba Fett, who apparently the show is about. I think he's going to choose the lightsaber. I think, you know, he... You have to remember also, yes, he's a baby, but he's also 50 years old. So he has some experience. Luke is helping him unsuppress all those old memories he tucked away. And maybe he does want to get back to learning. That's why there was still hesitation when he was asked the question that he had to choose. And I like that he has to choose. You know, it's kind of funny that Luke Skywalker is like the the the, the, the dad that's kind of rough on him. And Mandalorian is like the stepdad who's really cool and trying to impress him and stuff like that. Kind of getting back to what Star Wars was originally all about, fathers and sons. And I think that's why this is working. But look, I think, I think it's setting up that, you know, season three of The Mandalorian will have to be at some point they're trying to get back to each other because one is either in threat or or another is in danger or something like that and then season four the mandalorian will close out that storyline and they will be reunited at last i could be wrong i hope i'm wrong because i want the show to surprise me it surprised me this week and i hope it does next week too that's the point that's why we're watching it we want to be wowed and impressed and amazed and and just live a fantasy life so hey i thought this was a great episode I can't wait for next week. Let me know what you guys thought in the comments below. Like the video for me. It helps out so much. And if you're on the podcast page, share it. Share it with your friends. And hit me up on social media at Hauntalks First anywhere. And uh, we're also on anywhere podcasts are found if you're watching the video platform. So just go down in the links below. Comment what you thought of this week's episode. I can't wait to come back next week and wrap up talking about this show. So, hey guys, thank you so much for being here today. Again, we will be back next week around the same time. And until then, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you.